Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome into Red Sox Beat, the first of many. This is the pilot episode here for CLNSRadio.com. I am joined by Nathan Rollins, fellow Red Sox Beat writer for CLNSRadio.com. We are finally pleased to bring you this first episode. We've been trying hard for the last two weeks to get it to you guys. Uh, you might have seen our ads every once in a while on CLNS. Nick Gelso, Ty Ray, Sean Backey have been pushing it a little bit. We want to thank them for allowing us to do this and help them promote their work as well. And We're very excited to be here. Very excited to bring you the best in baseball and Red Sox coverage we can do week in and week out. This episode is special. This is going to be put up. If you're if you're listening to this, it's probably late on September 4th, early September 5th. Who knows? Regularly, we're going to be put on Mondays. We're going to, our podcast should go up on Mondays. Expect that. That will be our weekly schedule. We want to let you know that. Also, another thing... Um, uh, quick information here. Uh, do you have a CLNS Radio Designer V-neck T-shirt? Get on board with CLNS staff by sporting your board member T-shirt. Go to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash CLNS Radio and pledge the 9.99 option to receive your free T-shirt and so much more. It's a good cause, guys. We really appreciate it. We're trying to do the best we can to bring you the best content we possibly can. That's the best way to do it is get a little bit from you guys. Get a T-shirt. It's great. It's an awesome T-shirt. We're working on getting some for ourselves as well. They're great, so definitely go on and do that. That being said, Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Jared? Not too bad. I just got home from my day at work. Excited to bring some baseball news to the fans here and everything. So let's jump right into it. First item of business yesterday or Tuesday, whenever you guys watch it, view this. Tony Maz wrote in Boston.com that he'd be willing to trade Dustin Pedroia. Now, the, the gist of this is the Patriots just got rid of Logan Mankins, and they were talking about how stars in Boston potentially could be on their way out. I would consider trading Dustin Pedroia at the right time. Now, the backside of that is next year they could be good, and he could be right in the thick of it for you, and, and that'd be his leadership in the locker locker room and all that stuff. I don't know about you, Nate. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade Pedroia. I'm not really considering the return. I mean, his leadership is just so valuable to this team. I mean, he's good with the young guys. He's a great all-around player, and I really haven't seen a leader take these young guys by the hand since Veritek. I mean, he's been he's phenomenal with this team. I mean, 
I just don't see a guy in baseball who's down nine to four in the ninth inning, you know, and he's grinding out base hits. The guy's just a dirt dog, and I think he's a good influence for the team. I would not trade him. I do agree in the sense of him. He's a dirt dog. It's what he is. It's what, why we love him. He gets down. He's willing to win. And look, I love having Dustin Pedroia on this team. I'm not saying right away, get rid of him this offseason, get rid of him next year, but whether depending on how next year goes or if maybe maybe next off season if you get the right offer who knows but even this off season you have options you don't know what you're going to do because there's a, going into the off season you got to think well what are they going to do they give themselves open doors here you can go down the pitching route leave the offense the way it is to what you did this off this trade deadline and go after say a James Shields go back and try to get Lester to come back you have Scherzer who's also going to be on the free agent market along with other pitchers. So it's, they, it depends on what they really want. Look, I would do pitching personally, but the one bug to that option would be for me would be if somehow you can go get Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins right now, it looks like they have the Red Sox have the third best package available. Look, that's, I don't put any stock into those polls yet because there can be moves made beginning of the off season before that package really gets sent to Miami for an offer. So I don't put any stock into that yet, but look, Stanton is a great option. Stanton would come here, I think, and I think he, you could get him to sign here long term. I think it's a matter of what you have to give up to get him. You're going to have to give up Cespedes if you want him. You're, you might have to give. I don't think you're going to have to give up Castillo. You're going to have to give up Cespedes, a heck of a lot of young guys, and maybe Pedroia. I think Pedroia might be that icing on the cake if you eventually want to eventually get Giancarlo Stanton. Pedroia might be that piece that he, they might come back and say, hey, if you throw Pedroia in, that might be the final seller, or the Red Sox. Even if they, I don't know if they do it, but they could even say, "Hey, what do you to seal the deal? Let, I'll give, we'll give you Pedroia too. We'll give you Pedroia. We have some young guys like Mookie Betts coming up who can play the infield. We'll give you Dustin Pedroia with Cespedes and some young pitching for Stanton. That's an offer that Miami Marlins, I don't think, can pass up. Well, you know, when Ortiz decides to move on, this would be my big concern. Who's the leader on this team right now? They don't, they don't have a so-called captain, which that's probably the most overrated thing. But, I mean, it was coming out in the Bobby Valentine era here in Boston that Pedroia was really trying to hold these guys together. And, I mean, it just worries me trading away the heart and soul of this team, not knowing how these young guys are going to come up and develop. I mean, if you got Mookie Betts, who's going to come up and who's going to hit 300, 290, okay, you can you can think about moving Pedroia because Betts is, Betts is there. But there's, there's just such – there's just not a lot of good second basemen out there. And when you got one of the best, I, I kind of have a tough time even considering moving him on. I mean, there's so many good power-hitting outfielders. And, you know, second basemen, they're not around. There's not a lot of them out there, so I, I think if you've got a great one like we do in Pedroia, I just think you have to hold on to him. I think, I think you're, you're right, but I also think that Pedroia, obviously, is a great trade How piece. How about and Nelson Cruz? He, Would you sign him? Oh, we should have signed him. They gave up on that way too quickly. Well, he's going to be there this year, so there's yeah, an but who knows now? Yeah, but now he's, he's going to be worth 10 times more than he was he this past offseason. I think he puts up Stanton-like numbers. I mean, he's got, he's got to. He, he does. I mean... He could be an option in free agency. I mean, you could sign Cruz and you could keep Pedroia. And look at that. Team. You know, that's an option. 
that's a, that's another option, and that's a great option because then if you think about it for next year, if you take Nelson Cruz and, and just sign him and then maybe go off to pitching, potentially you have Castillo hitting leadoff with, uh, I don't even know, in the, maybe Brock Holt if he plays third and sitting second with Pedroia three, Ortiz four, and then you have Cespedes and Cruz to back up Ortiz, and then you have Napoli still, and you have Alan Craig, and now you're looking at a lineup that have potential power numbers and then you're looking at the teams like the old, like, stacked offensively. And that I wouldn't mind either, especially if you don't have to give up enough to just get if. And that's just a factor of banking on Alan Craig being healthy and getting Nelson Cruz. Now, I don't know. I think Nelson Cruz is the best shot of going back to Baltimore. I think he likes it there. He fits in well. They respect him. He clear, They have a great system right now. They're going to make the playoffs with him there. I think that's the best situation he thinks in his mind to go back there. But I think Nelson Cruz is the kind of guy that will chase money if he gets the right offer. Yeah, he de- he's definitely going to go where the money is. I mean, but I wouldn't, wouldn't count out the Red Sox. The Red Sox got the money, and, you know, I don't see Victorino staying staying around much longer seeing his injury history. So, I mean, he could definitely – I could definitely see him fitting with the Red Sox. And maybe maybe if it's not a six-year deal, maybe a three- or four-year deal, and I – I definitely could see Cruz coming here. I mean, that would I think Charrington would explore that offer. I really do. I th- I think I'm I'm right there with you on that one. I think he would consider it. Now it's a matter of lately we've been a lot, um, Red Sox have been criticized in the media a lot by me included for acting like they've been a small market team, not spending the money, not willing to fork over cash. This Rosny Castillo Castillo deal helped me realize that might not be the thing and they're actually just they're finally going to do it they're going to finally spend money and we're finally going to enjoy some good talent now if that's true then you could see them being uh them going after um nelson cruz no problem and that'd be cool because then you have to not have to worry about it if you go after nelson cruz you're not getting stan though and that's definitely gonna that's definitely a fact i don't know if stan's still a reality i think that potentially you're right now you are the third team like i said earlier I don't know how much you should put stock into trying to get him unless you're serious about getting rid of some pieces. Now, could you say trade Pedroia away to somebody else for pitching, say, save in Philly, but they have Chase Utley, so they wouldn't need him. But just as a hypothetical situation, you trade Justin Pedroia to somebody like Philly for a pitcher, say, Cole Hamels, that's also going to put you over the top for a deal like that. So trading Pedroia isn't just for Miami Marlins' sake, it's for other sakes as well because you lose Pedroia – you put Mookie Betts there if he's proven that he can handle some major league pressure. He's playing the rest of the season. He'll be there next season. Look, I don't think I don't think Pedroia is going anywhere this offseason, but it's an interesting take to think about. It's, they're interesting options. But with Pedroia being gone, you have to realize that young guys, whenever they make trades, even with, with or without Pedroia, young guys are going to be involved. You have a plethora of young guys sitting there waiting to go, whether it be Bogart's already up here. Uh, Henry Owens pitching well. He's on a little bit of a slump lately, but still – Top pitching contender has great stuff. Mookie Betts showing what he can do. Christian Vasquez is behind the plate here. Uh, Caccini, uh, is that how you say it? The third base? Yep. Caccini's down there at third base, potentially to take over for Will Murderbooks. So that means if the, if you trust him enough, you have Brock Holt sitting there. Devin very Marrero. Wait, Devin Marrero. Yep. Anthony, um, I would not do it, but you could trade Anthony Ronaldo if you're going to get something for him. Uh, the interesting, The most intriguing piece to me is Jackie Bradley Jr., because they just sent him down with like four or five weeks left at time with the Pawtucket Red Sox season. Now it's less than that, obviously. But for me, I think Jackie Bradley's done here. 
I don't think he has a chance left. I think that's it. He's done. They're giving up on yeah, him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. I mean, his bat's just not there. I mean, you re- right now, if you're going to go with a catcher who can't hit, you really can't have a center fielder out there who can't hit. I mean, that's giving away two outs. And right now in this MLB nowadays, with this pitching the way it is, you cannot give away two outs in a lineup. You can give away one out, but two outs, that's just too much. Yeah, I completely agree. And I saw a tweet. I'm blanking on the guy's name. He's kind of a no-name guy, but he's loyal and reliable through the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. And he's a Boston writer, Boston Sox writer. And he tweeted out that the Red Sox and Jackie Bradley are kind of butting heads and that Jackie Bradley was apparently approached by the Red Sox to say, hey, we let you do what you do, figure out your stuff, and now it's not working. And now they apparently tried to get him an overhaul and try to fix his swing, and he rejected that, according to the reports. So if that's to be true, then that's why he got sent down is because he didn't want to learn from the coaches and he wanted to do his own thing, so then he's being punished for it. I think right there, that's the red, if that's true, that's the red flag, and, that, and that they're, they're done with them. They're moving on. They have a plethora of outfielders that can take that job. Mookie Betts is capable of being out there. He, he's, he's been playing outfield even when Pedroia hasn't been in because of these concussion symptoms. Betts is a second baseman. Even without Pedroia in there, Betts is still not playing second base. <laughs> So you have to think that the Red Sox are eyeing him potentially to be an outfielder. I don't know, unless they, they again, Trey Pedroia, which is a long shot. But out of all those guys, Bogarts aside, because I don't think Bogarts is really going to go anywhere unless it's like blown away deal, someone, you can't turn it down if someone really wants Bogarts. But I, don't, I think Bogarts is here to stay. I think he's your shortstop. I think they're figuring that out. And not to mention they ruined Bogarts' production. They ruined his growth because of the Stephen Drew thing. But... Out of all these guys, I think Bogarts and Henry Owens are, are the only two that are really untouchable. And maybe Vasquez, because I like Vasquez as a catcher. He's calling games while John Lackey gave him compliments the first time he got caught by him before he got traded, saying he's calling a game like a vet. He knows what he's doing. So I like, and he's got a solid arm. He's throwing guys out at second. So I like Vasquez behind the plate. He's, he reminds me of a lot of the Molina brothers. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, again, that's a compliment. That's a huge compliment. So I think that he's kind of untouchable. But more so, I think Bogarts and Henry Owens are the really only two untouchable young guys out of all of them. If you were to say go for a Stanton or go for a pitcher like Cole Hamels, I don't know. I would, I would trade Ruby De La Rosa. I would trade Alex Wilson. I would trade uh, Mujica. I don't care. Just don't touch Bogarts, Owens, and Vasquez. That's my call on that. I don't know who you think is untouchable, Nate, but I, for me, it's them. It's those three, and that's it. I would definitely say uh, Mookie Betts would be untouchable. I mean, just watching this kid, he's got the combination of power, speed, great arm. I mean, just looking at him, he looks like a ball player. He's got he's got such a tailor-made swing from Fenway Park. He, he reminds me a little bit of Matt Kemp. The power's not quite at Matt Kemp level like Matt Kemp was earlier in his career. But, I mean, Betts, Betts is just an all-around good player. I would definitely not trade Betts. I agree with you, Owens. Owens is going to be a very good pitcher. He's a lefty. Lefties are hard to come by. Got a great hook, great fastball, throws it right by you. He won't overpower you, but he... he he just knows how to locate his pitches. Vasquez, I yeah, I see him as a backup catcher. I just don't think the offense is there. I think Swihart, it's going to be his job to lose in a year or two. So Vasquez, I would consider trading. Um, Renato, I, I'd like to see him up in the, up in the MLB a little bit uh, more. I think he's got great stuff, and I think he could grow into that number two starter that the Red Sox are looking for. But other than... Uh, Bogarts, I would deal. I mean, his defense is just not there. Ten errors? I mean, 
they can't afford that in big games come when they decide to contend, whether it be next year or the year after that. But uh, I would definitely say Betts is untouchable. Renato, possibly untouchable. Looks like probably their second-best pitching prospect. And uh, Swihart, he's, he's on the list. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him a little bit more, but I just think he's going to be a very good power-hitting catcher, which those are hard to come by. But um, other than that, I mean, you got guys down there like um, Rafael Devers, uh, third baseman in the Gulf Coast League. You got Margit, uh, outfielder for Salem. Eduardo Rodriguez, I mean, Brian Johnson, De La Rosa, as you mentioned, Webster, all names that, that are very intriguing to teams. I would definitely trade them. I mean, they're going to be thrown around there. As you said, they just have so many prospects on the left and right side of the infield that, I mean, they can't all come up at once. You've got to think that some deal's in place. I mean, whether it be Cole Hamels or Stanton, there's no way they can hold on to all these guys. I completely agree. You have too much of them. You have way too many, and I, I, they're all talented. I'm not t- and that's why we have. A, it's a good problem to have. You have a lot of prospects, and it's a good place when you're a big market team who wants to win. Now you have pieces to offer to these smaller market teams who just want to get are, are basically constantly rebuilding, and that's the way they go. They get their other teams' prospects, and they give away their stars. That's the way it works, and that's why the Red Sox are consistent, a solid big market team. If they're willing to spend the money, they have the pieces to make these trades. Now, Henry Owens, I. Like we both agree on that he's really untouchable because I, I love him. He's a tall, big guy, like you said, has a great hook. Here, my his arm slot is like Pedro Martinez. His arm slot is there on the side. It's so nasty. It's hard to read. I, he is a little bit of a slump as a la, his last start, his last couple outings. But get him groomed, get him up here as soon as possible. But don't rush him. No need to rush because Bogart got rushed, and that we saw, we all saw what's happening to him. But. Henry Owens can be a big league pitcher, and he will be a big league pitcher, and I believe that, and I don't think you want to touch him. Now, the intriguing young guy to me, still, to this day, and he's been up, down, hurt, everywhere, he's been having issues, just got engaged, is Will Middlebrooks. He's been up, down, he had a sensational rookie season, his, op- his uh, slugging percentage was in the 800s, and then now it's slowly dropped. Now, some people might say that's a Jenny Dell syndrome. Some people might say that since he started dating Jenny Dell, he's been distracted. Other sports-related, Tiger Woods got distracted. Rory McIlroy, as soon as he broke up with his girlfriend, start, his fiance, actually, they were engaged. He started tearing, and now, is now look what he's doing. So people might attribute Middlebrooks' lack of focus to that and the fact that he's more worried about dating one of the hottest girls on the face of the planet rather than playing baseball. And look, it's part of the distraction. I get it. I completely agree. But it's not the whole thing. Now, so, uh, yesterday, Gordon Ease wrote that the Sox, and this is from, I think this is from Farrell, Sox wanted, the Red Sox want Middlebrooks to play winter ball. They don't want him to take the time off this winter. That tells me two things. One, they still believe in him. Because if they didn't tell him that you have to go play winter ball and just let him do whatever he wanted, that means we're trying to trade you and we don't care how get much better you get because we're not trying, we don't care if you fix yourself because we're just trying to get rid of you. We stopped caring. So that means so the Sox telling him you need to play this winter shows me that they still want him. They still believe in him. He just has to get his mindset and really get break it down, strip it down, and fix his swing. Also, on the other side of it, Middlebrooks is saying that he doesn't want to play winter ball. Meaning, how much, how great does he want to be? What what's his mindset like? How is there a guy telling you? There's a team who is standing by you. You have sucked for the last three years, except for your rookie season, hurt in and out, minor leagues getting engaged, all the distractions, 
yet this team is still behind you. They still trust you enough. They still see what they saw in your rookie year enough that they're telling you, go play winter ball. We want you to play. We don't care where you play. Go play in the Dominican. Go play in Puerto Rico. Go to Mexico. No one cares. Just go play. You need to fix everything. Come back in spring training and be ready to go. And he still doesn't want to do it. He's still fighting it. And to me, that means he doesn't want to, be, he doesn't want to get better. He doesn't want to be that guy. And that, me, that has me questioning his mindset. Well, I mean, you I don't think you can say with any player that they don't want to get better. I mean, just because a player doesn't want to play winter ball, there may be other d- distractions or issues involved in that. But uh, against your point, I wouldn't just say because they believe in him, they want him to play winter ball. I mean, lots of teams have players play winter ball. Uh, lots of teams scout winter ball, uh, whether it be the Dominican, Mexico. Maybe to increase his trade value. Maybe they want something if they were to trade Middlebrooks. I mean, I like the guy. I think he's got a great swing. We all know he can't hit the off-speed pitch. I believe that can be fixed, but, I mean, I don't see him playing third base for this team. I, the only option I see him playing is first base. I mean, not many first – I don't see Alan Craig sticking around too, too long. I, I just don't see many first basemen coming up. I mean, they got Travis Shaw coming up supposed to be a power-hitting first baseman. But other than Rizzo, we have not seen power from this Red Sox farm system. That is why I think they value Middlebrook so much that they know he has the power. He's just got to figure out his swing. And if he could start hitting the off-speed pitch, there's a bat who you can stick in the middle of the order, whether it be five, six, or seven, and he could protect whoever it's going to be, if it's going to be Stan or Ortiz. I mean, I just don't think they want to give up on the kid that quick, but I, I just don't see where he's going to play. I think that to the point of increasing his trade value, I think if that's true, they're doing it very quick. They're trying to get him gone ASAP because to resort to sending someone to winter ball just to increase his trade value when he's played like four seasons in the league already, I get he's been hurt, like I said, but... To send someone to the Winter League just to increase his trade value, it's not obviously the most distraught thing in the world that's happened, but to someone who, like Middlebrooks who has played and who has a name for himself in this league, and teams know who he is, it might be hard to do that, whereas they want to send him. I think it's them sending him there to fix it, to potentially still play third base, whether they feel like Caccini's not ready or they don't want to put Brock Holt in there. I wish they would just let Brock Holt well, play Jared, third base. Uh, how much do you think, well, I mean, Winterball could really fix this? I mean, he's not going against Major League uh, top-of-the-line pitches down in Winterball. I mean, he's going to be going against some guys who will see spots on uh, the rosters, but, I mean, he's not going to be going against a Felix Hernandez like changeup down in Winterball. So, I mean, it can only it can only help you out so much. I... It can help you out to an extent, but until you get back up into the majors, you're really not going to know what you have in this kid. I think the way it helps is it keeps him from not playing. It keeps him going. I think that's what matters the most is that he's playing poorly enough as it is. Giving him four months off and then kind of come back to spring and fix it is not good for him. Yeah, I agree. The talent's not great. It's not going to be great in winter ball, but it's not going to be awful either considering if he's playing in Puerto Rico and the Dominican, there's talent down there. That's where the league comes from. So – they, them sending him there isn't going to fix it completely, but having another pair of eyes on it as coaches, hitting coaches down there, having four months not on the Red Sox, just no pressure, just go down there and just play and really realize, just get back to enjoying the game and have some fun, fix his swing while he's down there, that's where it helps. It helps him get his confidence back for one, and it also helps him not 
stop playing. Yeah, you'll probably he'll probably get like a month off. He won't play the straight four months and have like a whole full year playing ball. But it's not going to be four months, and that's the key. I think not playing four months is what hurts him if he doesn't go to play winter ball. And I think it's in his best interest to go play winter ball. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It definitely is in his interest, and you make a good point. Having that strides and that swing, that can never be a bad thing. Because for me, it's if he goes to winter ball, he's going to play, but it's also a matter of, okay, well, what's the worst thing that happens? If he doesn't go to winter ball, he's terrible, and he doesn't fix his swing, his career could be over. This could be the kid's career. It could be Kevin Euclid, uh, but at a less extent. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It could be it could be the idea of slowly decaying and then not wanting to fix it or not feeling the itch to go fix it. Because if it was me and the team and a team told me, "Hey, we we we're, go play winter ball, go fix your swing," that's I'd run down there and go fix my swing because I've worked my whole life to become a major league baseball player. And now the team who's fighting for me to stay, keep play, like playing and living my dream is telling me, "Hey, we want just go fix your swing, just go play and come back spring training. We'll be ready to go for next year." Do it. You got to do that because this could be the kid's career. You don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's on the mindset. What teams? I mean, this is probably going to be a team that would pick Middlebrooks up. But if he doesn't fix his swing soon, he's not. He's not going to be more than like a backup third baseman or a very a third baseman on a very bad team. Yeah, I'd agree. Yep. So I think winter ball for Will Middlebrooks is the best case scenario. I think for him to do. I don't. I think he needs to stop being stubborn. And I think unlike Jackie Bradley Jr., his time's not up here. His his time's not done. He he can he, his path's still in his hands. If he just goes down there and plays, and I think if we talk to any of the baseball writers, talk to any baseball guys, even non-baseball guys, if we tell somebody and say, "Hey, should we let Middlebrooks go play baseball?" It realistically means his career or not. So everyone's going to tell you, "Yes, you should do it." That's dumb if he doesn't. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But it's just a matter of he should do it, and who knows what they're going to do this off season. But that's definitely part of their plan for the off season to get him to go down to the warm climate and play baseball for three months out of the four they have off for the off season. So we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about this stuff. Now, Nate caught up with Tom Joyce of Yaki Way Report, if I'm getting that right. Yep, you got it. I don't know why I keep forgetting that. I don't know why I can't remember where he's from. For some reason, I just cannot remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's good insight. He's a good baseball writer. Nate caught up with him earlier. Um, uh, thank you for continuing to listen to the Red Sox Beat podcast. And uh, I am here right now with Yaki Way Tom Joyce. Tom, how are you? Good, how are you, Nate? Good. Now, I have a question here. Um, lots of trade talk for Stanton. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look down the Red Sox, I know you do a lot of covering Pawtucket, mm-hmm. so you look down the Red Sox prospect list, you got Betts, Swihart, Owens, uh, Raphael Devers, uh, who's a good mm-hmm. third baseman in the Gulf Coast League, Vasquez, Margit, Rodriguez. Now, who out of those prospects would you not trade? Uh, well, personally, I think the Stanton trade's a little bit of a stretch, but, I mean, say, say Miami's actually willing to trade him. Personally, um, it's honestly a tough one. I mean, I like Mookie Betts, but I guess you could already call him a major league player. I'm big on Raphael Devers. I like him a lot. Swihart's great, but I don't know if he really fits into the Red Sox' future plans. I mean, he's a great player all around, but I think Christian Vasquez is just a great defensive catcher. Boston might not have a spot for Swihart. I'm thinking just guys that Boston doesn't have a spot for, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like to hoard the pitching prospects, but say there's, like, 
second base prospect like Sean Coyle. He might be out of luck in Boston's organization. He's an awful defensive player, but his bat is good, and he could be a successful second baseman elsewhere. Devin Marrero's again, another guy I'd like to trade. Great, great in the field. Can't hit for his life. Great defensive shortstop. A lot of teams value that. But, but, sitting like 215 in Pawtucket, that's not really cutting it, but other teams would be taking a chance. Even if he gets it 230 in the majors, plays spectacular defense in the field, he'd be valuable elsewhere. Yes, uh, definitely. Sox got a plethora of prospects down in the uh, the minor leagues if they'd like to make a deal for uh, Chris Sale or say um, a Stanton. Now, looking at the corner and field positions, and I want to touch on some prospects even more. Who do you see starting in a few years at, for say, first base, second base, shortstop, and third base, respectively, for the Red Sox? Like, what is your infield looking like, say? Two or three years down the road. Uh, for your question, are you assuming that they look internally for options or just anyone? I'm talking if they happen to trade Pedroia. I'm if they happen to keep Pedroia. What's going uh, on with Napoli? What would you say? Um, internal or prospects? Uh, what's your infield looking like? All right. Well, first of all, if Mike Napoli can play. In a few years, I'd definitely keep him. He's just a great, great, high on base percentage guy, some power, great defensively. Within the organization, I'd like to be interesting to see how first base prospect Sam Travis develops. He's probably the top first base prospect. I like him better than Travis Shaw. He has more power potential, more upside. That might come down to it. Second base, I think Petey's a lock. There's a lot of good prospects. I mean, Sean Coyle's good. Monkey Betts is good. But Petey has the upper hand. He's won MVP before. Shortstop, I think pretty simple. Xander Bogarts, shortstop of the future. There's a few other good options within the organization and outside of the organization. But good shortstops are hard to come by, especially number two prospect in all of baseball when they're shortstop. I think they're going to keep it Xander Bogarts. Xander, sorry. Third base, that's a tough one. Very tough one. I know a lot of people like Aaron Caccini, but I think he needs more time in the minors. He's one of those guys that could require 750 at-bats in Pawtucket before you're certain whether or not he has a career in the majors or not. Right now, he played a full season, started to hit towards the end of it, hit at the beginning, struggled in the summer. I need to see more from him before you can just hand him a job. Plus, he can play the outfield, and he's not not great defensively. Will Middlebrooks is a guy a lot of people like. I haven't given up on him yet. Some people might have. He definitely could prove, has the potential to prove, that he is worth something in the future. And if he does so, he is the man. He's the man that I would take. But until he proves to do so, that job is up for grabs. Brock Holt's good, but I don't see him as a viable Major League starting option. He's hitting something like 222 since the All-Star break, and I think of him as more of a utility guy anyways. Looks solid in the outfield. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, they definitely got enough 
prospects here to play around with trades and, uh, you know, test people out uh, come the end of this season and even the beginning of next season. I mean, calling up a few guys here or there, sending a few guys down. Um, shortstop might be in the air. Third base might be in the air, you know, depending on how Bogarts is performing. Um, and if they do happen to trade Pedroia, which I do not believe is mm. a good a good move by any means, but yeah. second base could be up in the air. You know, you never know. I mean, Napoli first base, barring injuries. You know, we got Craig, so definitely a lot of shifting going on with the prospects, as everyone's seen. I mean, Christ, you could be down there and you could be called up to play the outfield. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tom, I'd really like to uh, thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Red Sox Beat uh, podcast here on CLNS Radio. And uh, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Uh, thanks, I appreciate it. And uh, they can find me at YawkyWay underscore Tom. For the most part, I'll follow back Red Sox fans. So, yeah, give me a follow. All right, thank you very much. And uh, we're here with Tom Joyce, uh, writer for YawkyWay Report, former CLNS Radio.com writer, covers uh, Pawtucket, Portland, um, Gulf Coast League, Cape Cod League, you name it. So, Tom, uh, I'd like to thank you again, and have a nice evening. Thanks, you too. All right, that was Tom Joyce of YockeyWaveReport.com. Tom Joyce is a great resource, great mind of baseball. He really gets it. Uh, again, Nate took the time out of the week. We want to thank Tom again for joining us here on Red Sox Beat. Hopefully he'll be a recurring guest. He enjoyed doing it. I'm sure he'll be more than willing to come back on for us eventually. Does great stuff. Check out his stuff. What's his Twitter handle? Do you know it off the top of your head? Because I don't. Um, I think it's Tom underscore Yaki Wave Report. Um, you can find him. Search Tom Joyce on Twitter. He'll pop up. All right. So do that. Check him out. He's good stuff. Good source. Good interview. Now, back to this whole Middlebrooks thing for a second because – while we were letting your interview play with Tom, it popped in my head that Middlebrooks would be, I feel like Middlebrooks might just not enjoy the pressure of Boston. Yeah, I mean, some people just don't fit in. I mean, we're seeing it with Adrian Gonzalez, with Carl Crawford. Some people just need to go to that place like Tampa Bay or L.A. where you get the stadium half-packed or a quarter of the way packed, and that's where they play their best ball. And some people just will not. Well, not flourish in the big markets, and uh, big market isn't made for everyone. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys come to the big market and just flat out fail. And look at, look at, it could be him. Look at Carl Crawford; he's still complaining. Yeah, he's still whining about the media here and how he claims that it was their fault. Or technically, it's our fault because we're part no, of the media we now too. We gave him the contract, right? <laughs> we, yeah, apparently because we paid him all the money, and he said he didn't do enough research and all this stuff. Not to get too deep into that. But that's my point, is that guys are – some guys just can't handle it. Some guys can't do it. Adrian Gonzalez is playing well, but he just didn't like the scrutiny. He's a low-cal guy, and he, he's flourishing for the Dodgers. Yeah. He's in Southern California. He doesn't have to do anything. He just shows up, plays baseball. The media out there isn't as hard as here or like New York or Philly, and that's it. Yeah. They're done. You're right. So middle, it could be a factor. Middlebrooks – it doesn't seem it on the outside, but Middlebrooks could just not – might flourish somewhere with no pressure, and that's also another test of winter ball is – there's no pressure down there for him. If he thinks of it that way, there's no pressure. If he goes down there and just plays, and that, that might also be another attribute we pull out of it, is that, look, he's fine when he's not under the spotlight. That means that's another aspect, the fact he should not be here. So that just popped in my head. It's, a good, it's another penny to drop in this 
plethora of, of optimal choices for what they can do and what they what everything means with him. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. Right now, he's playing. He's starting. He's he's not playing well, but he's he's in the lineup. He's in the big club. He's not going anywhere for the rest of the season, obviously. So wait out, see if it gets better. Now we do want to talk a little bit about major leagues and playoffs, but before we do, I just quickly because we haven't really touched on it. What do you think about Rusny Castillo, Nate? Because I'm a big fan of him. I think he, it's perfect. They missed out on the other couple Cuban players with Puig and, and Abreu. Castillo's not those guys, but he's not that much further below them. I like it. It's great. He's going to be a good, solid leadoff guy, I think, going forward. He's worded to play in September. He, Farrell said they want him to play in some games while the season's over. He's working his way through the Gulf Coast League down in Florida. I think he's in AAA now. What do you think? What, is, this the right, is this the right guy to hit leadoff for this team? I definitely like the idea to sign Castillo. I, I was on board 100%. I, before I'm going to say this is a marvelous move, I'd like to see him play at a major league level. I know he's going to be there. He should be there this month. Um, I, I like the kid's talent. He's got a good arm. He's not a Puig-like arm, but he's got a hell of an arm in the outfield. Uh, if you've, you haven't seen it, um, he's very, very fast, which is an element that the team needs. I mean, seeing the only base deal they currently have is Brock Holt and a little bit of Mookie Betts. Um, he should be a solid addition to this team. I mean, if he can get on base, he can draw walks, he can get singles, doubles from the top of the order. That is what this team needs. That This team needs somebody to get on base for the heart of the order. Uh, it killed them when they had to move Pedroia down to the three-hole. Uh, they had no two-hole hitter. And this kid, if this kid pans out at the top of the order, he could be a, a steal. And um, I, I like the addition. I, they have a hell of a lineup going into next year. But if they don't get the pitching, you know, they're going to be in trouble. I think the pitching is the big part. I think they really do need to get the pitching. They need to figure that out. Now, I like Castillo. He's, he's entering the prime of his baseball live. He's 27, I believe. Yep. His contract punts him through like 32, 33. Prime of his career. You couldn't, get, you couldn't ask for the better signing in terms of where the guy is in his career. He hasn't played in a year. He was suspended um, in Cuba for potentially trying to come play in the United States. He didn't play for the Cuban team. Um, he eventually escaped to the Dominican Republic. Um, we don't know the details on that one. I, I, I can, we, we can speculate as much as we want to how he got on a boat and got to the Dominican, but I'm sure, someone, I'm sure he owes someone some money once yeah, he gets paid. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless he, he, he got to the Dominican. He got out. He had his scout day. He looked like he gained a few pounds, probably juicing a little bit down there in the Dominican to get his scout day going high. But, so who knows what he's taking. But if he can get by it, oh, well, I'm okay with, I'm okay with steroids. I miss those days, so it's fine. Even if he does lose the pounds from the steroids and he comes to this team, he's still, like you said, he's still fast. He's still great on the base pass. He's still a good, solid hitter, and that's what you need. Because this year, not to, not to keep carping it, but you missed Jacoby Ellsbury at the top of the order. Until Brock Holt really emerged, and he's still not consistently hitting leadoff, and I still think you do. You still miss Jacoby Ellsbury. He's a solid contact guy, quick on the bases. Jacoby Ellsbury is leading the Yankees in RBIs right now, and that's a big piece of what you had last year. He was part of that timely hitting that won you a world championship. And now you're missing that timely hitting. And look, he's playing for the pinstripes. You're missing him. I think Castillo it can be that guy, if not better, because I think he's faster than Ellsbury. And I think he's better on the base pass than Ellsbury. He can steal, man. He, I can't wait to have him steal some bases. And he 
is a great pickup. I think he's what you're lacking at the top of the order. If you can have him, Brock Holt, and Dustin Pedroia be your top three with Ortiz, Cespedes, and Napoli, if you get Nelson Cruz, rounding out your four, five, six, seven hitters, that is fantastic. If you can have Bogarts at eight, that's a great lineup. Yeah, I agree with you. And to touch on Ellsbury, I mean, watching him a few times uh, last year, I mean, this that he was phenomenal. I mean, he could turn a single, and in two pitches, he could be on third base for the heart of the order. And, you know, that was huge. He did talk about losing all these one-run games. Well, he was that one run. In a lot of the games last year, he was a very key element to this team. And if teams don't have speed... Uh, like the Red Sox have built, it, it's very tough to win. It really is. You look at some of these World Series teams with Damon, I mean, etc. They had speed, and you need speed to win. I, you need that, you need that base stealer. Uh, whether it's the the Dave Roberts steal, you need somebody who can come in and or who's in the starting lineup who can steal a base. And they've been very passive stealing Brock Holt this year. I think he could have been an option to steal a few bases more than he has, but they just lack speed. There's no doubt about it. Speed's huge. I mean, think about it. If you, like you said, if you don't have speed, you don't. Dave Roberts doesn't steal that base. You don't complete the comeback, and you don't break the curse. And then after that, you don't know where you end up. You might not even win in 07. It might be the continual spiral of just not winning. It might be just another one of those years. We might not even have three now. We might not even have one. So stealing is and base running and speed is a huge, huge difference in term, coming down the stretch for a team to try to make a post run, a postseason run. So, look, I love the addition. It's great. Moving forward, I'm, I'm excited to see him get going here at Fenway, pop some balls over the Monsters, play some uh, wall ball and get some easy doubles, some triples into the triangle. Look, this ballpark's great for him because he can hit and hit to opposite field. He's got a short portion right. This guy's going to be good here, I think, and you're going to see it a little, and probably within the next week, you're probably going to see him up here battling it out for, the, for a chance to play for the rest of the season, and look, I'm excited, to get, I'm excited to see him play. I think we all are, and it's just, look, we don't have much to look forward to the rest of the season, obviously, with this, this team, so we might as well have a guy who's taking steroids to look forward to. Yeah, I but agree. We're all excited for that. It's going to move forward. Plenty to talk about. We'll get to more Red Sox sooner rather than later next week. I want to get going now. Playoffs are running down. Playoffs are, playoffs are coming up. Season's winding down. Excuse me. And we like to broaden our horizon here on Red Sox. We're not just all about the Red Sox. We love our team. But, hey, there's a whole other league, too. And, look, this team's playing for the playoffs still. There's still a championship to be won this year. Red Sox can't defend their title. But someone's going to win a championship this year. They don't just not put a name on a banner because the Red Sox aren't going to win. So, there's a lot of races that are close. Central in the AL is close, half, game and a half. AL West is still kind of close. That's still doable. There's like some good races in the NL still. Now, Nate, we're going to go down and do this. We're going to start with the AL Central. Kansas City, Detroit. Detroit's down a half a game right now. Game and a half. Game and a half. I think Detroit takes over Kansas City. Now, Kansas City's been playing hot, and they have great pitching. But I think Detroit figures it out, even with Verlander on his Kate Upton slump. I think he figures, they figure it out, and Detroit wins that NL Central, AL Central. Yeah, I'm, I just don't know how you'd pick against Detroit. They have been underperforming this year, but I mean, when you've got a team who can throw out uh, Porcello, who's pitching like an ace, about 15 uh, wins this year. 
I mean, you got Price, very good addition to that staff, strikes out everyone under the sun. Uh, Verlander, Scherzer, I just don't see who uh, Kansas City is going to throw out there who can really match up with Detroit. I mean, the, the Kansas City, right now they got Shields. Shields is pitching average, not a James Shields-like year. They got uh, Ventura. But I, ju- I just don't see them overcoming Detroit. And I mean, I know those two teams uh, play the 8th through the 10th of September in Detroit. So that's going to be... That's going to be a huge series in which I'm going to expect Detroit to uh, actually leapfrog Kansas City and take that number. Because I'm looking at Detroit's probables, and they got Verlander, Scherzer, and Porcello. I mean, I don't know how you can pick against that. I think they uh, they take over the Central in that, uh, that three-game set, and I think they're going to hold on to it from there. And look. The Royals can potentially still make the playoffs. If they don't win the division, they're still up there for the wild card. Not saying they're going to get shut out of the playoffs here, but you also, in the wild card, we'll get to it in a second, but just to keep a note, you do have Seattle there as well, who is playing well and playing right, and you never can complain when you have King Felix on your team. So they're also a team to think about. Now, AL West, um, Oakland A's kind of shot themselves in the foot. Realistically, they pulled a plaxico burst on themselves when they came and traded away Cespedes, I believe, because look, they were they were charging, they were winning, and then as soon as that trade happened, they've been slumping. They've lost a lot. They've lost more than they've won since the trade deadline, that's for sure. And Angels have a four and a half game lead in the AL West. I think they're going to hold it. They might even increase it a few games by the end of the month, going into the playoffs. Look, Oakland needs to figure their stuff out. Needs to find someone to hit. Now they signed Adam Dunn. They got Adam Dunn. Is that going to help? Eh, maybe. He's been playing well of late. He's got the potential, and look, if, if it works, then good on Billy Bean to figure out a way to replace Cespedes. Good on him. I'm a big Billy Bean fan. I want him to win a World Series. Now, do I want him? did I want him to take John Lester? No. Were the Red Sox stupid to give up John Lester? Of course they were. But if Billy Bean's going to win, they might as well do it this year. I feel like this year now it's World Series or bust for Oakland, right? Yeah, you got to. I mean, Oakland's been there a um, couple of the last few years. I mean, now they're going out. They've loaded up this team. They know they're not going to be able to keep Lester. I mean, you got to figure, if they don't win it this year, I don't know if they're going to win it. I mean, they got Lester. They got the team. They got that seasoned, postseason pitcher that they've been looking for. Uh, you can't think Scott Kazmir is going to put up this type of year next year. I think he, I have to agree with you. If they don't win it this year, who's going to be there next year? They spent all the they got uh, dumped their four-hitter for Lester, like I said, the season postseason pitcher, and you can't expect Lester to stick around next year because I don't think Oakland's going to have enough money to re-sign him, do you? Lester, absolutely not. No, they are too much of a small market team, and as much as the movie was stretched and I enjoyed it, Moneyball showed how, how Oakland is run. They don't have money. They, it's a stretch for them to get players. A guy like Lester is going to go for top dollar. You can't pay him. Look, he's going to be making high money. He's going to be making five, six years, $160 million-ish. You don't know. And, like, look, that's top dollar. He said he said himself he might not take the money depending on the situation, and he wants to take the best situation for his family. I agree that Lester's best situation is in Boston. Now, whether or not Red Sox can swallow their pride and pay him is a different story. But I think Lester wants to be here back in Boston as much as we want him back in Boston. I think the Red Sox ownership and Ben Charrington now just need to pony up and go get him. Yeah, they do. I mean, it was a huge disappointment when they traded Lester. I mean, a homegrown lefty. 
the cancer survivor, World Series winner, one of the clutchest World Series pitchers you could in Red Sox history. I'd go extent that far, and I mean, to see him go was very, very, very sad for me. Very sad day for Red Sox Nation. But I mean, I. God, I hope he comes back because he fits perfect in Boston. And one team I'd watch is the Yankees, and uh, I just hope he doesn't end up in New York. I also want to throw out the nit tidbit. If he did come back, you eventually would have Lester and Henry Owens on the same pitching staff. Yes. And that would be dangerous. Oh, yes, I agree. And, yes, that would be very, very dangerous. Two very, very good lefties. All right. Stuff getting sidetracked. We, I like to do that a lot. You'll find out that sooner or later. I like to get sidetracked. Back on track here. We'll move to the NL, the lovely National League. No DH. They need to fix that. National League East, Washington Nationals have all but wrapped up that division. They have seven games up on the Braves, and I don't think that, that's going to change. So we don't even need to talk about the NL East. Nationals are going to go good. They're doing it without Strasburg. Look, they're a good team. They're a solid team. They have all around. I think this is a year for them to make some damage in the playoffs. Now to the NL Central. This is... One of two races on the NL that are risky to me, and I like and I like risky in baseball. I like to, I like the tension. I like being able to cut that tension with a knife. <laughs> and NL Central: St. Louis, Milwaukee. Brewers three games back of St. Louis. Brewers started this season off hot, uh, not so hot as of late. Last ten games, they are two and eight. Like that's disgusting. Last six, last ten games, Cardinals are six and four. Streak. Uh, Milwaukee has lost eight in a row out of those two and eight. So they're, they, they're struggling, to say the least, and they're doing this to themselves. I don't see them catching St. Louis. I don't do it. I don't see it. I don't think Milwaukee can turn themselves around this short of a time and trend themselves back upwards quick enough to catch St. Louis when St. Louis is just playing such good ball right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, and the remarkable thing about St. Louis is they're doing it without Molina. They, they stayed the thick of it without Molina. Now they've found themselves in the first place playing remarkable of their last 10 games, and I don't know if you're going to say, I should say, Milwaukee's hit a downfall. I mean, they've lost eight games in a row, but St. Louis, doing it without Molina, doing it without Wainwright, who's experienced some dead arm issues, they're getting Waka back, that's going to be a plus for them, and they're just getting... They're just getting their players back, and I mean, you got to watch out. I didn't think St. Louis was going to do this. I had Pittsburgh winning the division, but seeing what they've done, I didn't think St. Louis had enough hitting without David Freeze. I am obviously without Pujols for a few years ago. I just didn't think they could do it, but man, they have changed my mind about that team. They just develop pitches left and right, and St. Louis looks like they're locked to win the Central. I am genuinely impressed on how... Just a side note, generally impressed on how the St. Louis Cardinals have stayed so consistent in, in going to the World Series and staying in the hunt of things without Albert Pujols. Because when they made that deal and Albert Pujols left, I thought that they were done. I thought they were going to fall off the face. I didn't think they had it in them. I thought Pujols was so good for them and he was so clutch. That, they, that was basically like the Red Sox losing Ortiz in his prime, and that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It most certainly so is. I give them all the credit in the world. I give I love I don't hate St. Louis the Cardinals I did last year obviously for them being the opponent in the way of winning a world the Red Sox winning a World Series but look I give them all the credit in the world I wouldn't mind them winning and I think they're going to win the Central. Yep. But I think the next one before we move on to Ailes cuz we'll leave our home our home turf for last here. But NL West is I think where we you and me differ. I think that 
I think that if I'm right, you want the Do- you think the Dodgers are going to hold off the San Francisco Giants. Now the Giants, two games back, they're seven and three in their last ten games. Dodgers are even five and five, so they're gaining a couple. They're gaining ground. They were going to play. They play each other at least one more time before the season's over. I think twice. Yes, twice. One in uh, L.A. and one in San Fran. So this division is really up for grabs, and I think the Giants are going to pull it out. I think they're playing hot. Like I said, seven of three. I, seven to ten. I think I think that they're going to win this division. You know, you're right. This is where we differ. I mean, the remarkable thing about the Dodgers is they lose one of their best pitchers in Rue. Guy they can count on to come out one in every five starts. Stay in the thick of it. Continue to lead the division. They were without Kershaw for the beginning of the season. We know that. I just don't see how San Francisco could match up with a Grinky, Rue, Kershaw, uh, Hernandez is pitching well. I, I just don't see how San Francisco is going to match up with them. Now, I know Bumgarner is pitching well for San Fran, but other than Bumgarner and Peavy pitching seven innings allowing three runs once in every three or four starts, who does San Fran have to pitch? I just don't see where they're going to get their pitching. I just think the Dodgers have too much talent to let it slip away this year. In fact, they're my World Series pick. I just think Puig, Ramirez, Gonzalez, Crawford, I just think it's their year. Now, I think, I, I agree. The, the Dodgers do have pitching. And, and the, it's hard to turn against any team who has Clayton Kershaw because he's being now compared to Koufax, and he's going to be one of the greats if he continues the way he's pitching in his career. But I think I think you're underestimating Jake Peavy a little bit. His ERA has gone down from 4.72 in Boston to 2.66 in San Francisco, and that obviously means he's in the NL. Like it's obviously we all <laughs> I mean, we all know it's easy. We obviously we all know it's easy to pitch in the NL, but that but that's not even an excuse. That's a legitimate thing. He's pitching in the right ballpark for him, so it's a good pitching situation for him. Puig's going to have to really kill it to hit it out of that ballpark. Peavy's pitching great. He's he is three and four with them, so th- their offensive production might be the issue. If any, I honestly I trust their pitching. To the extent that look, he's three and four with a two point six six ERA. PV is he had one win the entire time he was in Boston this season, and that's just because the Red Sox stunk. So I'm not turning my eye on PV. Baumgartner, like you said, is is pitching well, and he interleague play is four and five is what I have in front of me here. He's four and one in August with a league best one point five seven ERA. ERA with leading the NL at 56 strikeouts this, in the past month in, of August. So Madison Bumgarner, you have to think, is your quote-unquote ace going into the playoffs in the stretch run here in September. Now, I really like Tim Hudson still. I really think that he can provide you a solid pitching outing every time he's out there. Hudson has a 3.08 ERA, and it's his lowest since 2010. And that was back when he was at Atlanta, and he had like a 2.82, something like that. The second half, he hasn't won that much, and that translates to the offense, and that translates to the Giants who haven't been playing great baseball late, but they picked it up. He is also the majors' winningest active pitcher. The Giants are 16-10 and 10 in starts that Tim Hudson pitches. Now, for a non-ace, second, or maybe even third guy in your rotation, I'd take 16-10. and 10. So, I don't know. It's tight. It's obviously hard, and I'm probably in the minority picking against the Dodgers. I think you're in the majority, Nate. Yeah, I like the I like the Giants. Look, Lincecum, we know it. It's not he's not 
anywhere near what Lincecum's is, spo- is supposed to be. But Buster Posey is there calling great games. He's a great catcher. He can hit the ball. And I'll come up, I always, I never want to root against the Panda, Pablo Sandoval. And they have, and they're deep, they're not terrible. And they're, they're playing better as of late. So I, I really think that the Giants, and, and look, like I said, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. That's two games right there in the last 10 games for both teams. They, they, they've made up. I think they can do that in the rest of the month. I think they can come back, and you might see this become, you might even see a play-in game for these two teams, whether coming down to the end of the season. They might be tied coming down, going to the playoffs. Who knows? I think it's that close of a race. I think the NL West is probably the best race to watch as a baseball fan going through the rest of the month. Yeah, I agree with you. And one of the big reasons, again, I'm picking against the Giants is because, I mean, they were, I'd like to read somebody's postseason numbers. I, I don't know if you can guess this guy, but 4-2 and two with a 2.18 ERA. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? What were the numbers again? Four and two with a 2.10 ERA and 51 and a third innings uh, career postseason. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to think it off the top of my head. That would be Matt Kane, and I think he's one of the guys who lots of people in Major League Baseball forgetting about. He was one of the best pitchers for San Fran. He got lost in the shuffle when they had Lincecum. He's never really came to stardom. But he's always out there, and he's always pitching his tail off. And he's he's a big loss for this team. He really is. I do agree. Matt Cain not being there is a big, big loss. And I think people for, are honestly forgot about yeah, Matt Cain. Because right. he's, he's just been out for so long that people have honestly just forgot about him. And every reason to forget about him, especially because the Giants aren't that watched around the MLB. It's hard to watch the Giants if you're not in the San Francisco area. But still, I like San Francisco there. We'll see how that plays out now. We're almost going to get out of here, but before we do, let's come home to our bread and butter, the AL East, the division that we love. Now, look, I'm pretty sure Baltimore's going to win this division right now. They're nine and a half games up on the Yankees. My pick from the start of the season, I'm finally right for once picking the AL East. Never usually get it right. I'm really happy about that. Boston is no, it doesn't matter, but I'm just, I wanted everyone to know the number. It's really how bad this has gone. They are 20 and a half games out of first place. So it's bad, and we know that, and we're not going to, I'm not going to harp on that. Now, with Baltimore winning the American League, we shift over to the wild card, and you have Oakland and Detroit right now in those top two spots. Detroit is battling it out with Kansas City, so potentially Kansas City kind of squeaks in there as a default if they kind of keep pace with each other pushing forward. But then you have Seattle, only a half game spot, a half game back out of that spot. And you have Cleveland, Terry Francona's Cleveland Indians, and the New York Yankees, four games out. I like Seattle to almost maybe squeak up there. I think they're the only team that's not either Oakland, Detroit, or Kansas City that has a chance to make it into the playoffs as a wild card team. Yeah, I love Seattle. I mean, just behind Felix Hernandez, who's one of the top pitchers in baseball, Iwakuma, could be an ace on many teams. Cano's made such an impact on that team with his leadership and his bat. I like Seattle to make the playoffs, and uh, I I think Kansas City's going to slip out of it, and I think we're going to see an Oakland and Seattle play-in game. And I think Oakland could be going home because I don't think they're going to be able to hit King Felix come that one game. And what a story would that be if Oakland went from the best team in baseball, one of the best teams in baseball at the deadline, to getting Samarja and doing that deal with the Cubs and then getting Lester and then bye-bye, 
all because they traded Cespedes. And that would be okay with me. I, I wouldn't mind it just because they, it really shows that they weren't thinking and they, didn't, they, they tried too hard to stack their team one, in one way rather than the other, whereas they had a decent balance going with what they had, and they didn't need to trade for Lester. And I think Billy Bean did get greedy in that sense. And, he's, and Billy Bean's always had his eyes on Boston. He loves Boston. He, he pretty much con- he considered coming to Boston. He got a huge offer from Henry. didn't happen, so they got 2K. We all know that story. But he, li- he, likes, he, he likes to believe sometimes that he can be a big market team, and getting Lester makes him feel better for at least the rest well, of the season until he realizes he can't afford him. Jared, you can't really question the Lester deal. I, I do like the Lester deal. I think they needed that season postseason guy to go out there and pitch and to get him there. I, I like the Lester move, but the Samaja move was a, a big question mark. I, they did not know how he was going to pitch in the AL. And I think giving up that nice young shortstop that they had, he could have possibly been in another deal to upgrade their offense once they did acquire Lester. And I, yeah. I, just, I just questioned the Samaja deal, and ha- Hamill's been awful. Hamill has been awful for Oakland, and uh, Lester, I think they'd do that deal again, but I don't think they'd do the Samaja. I think they would stamp out with that shortstop, and I think they would trade him for a bat. And the thing that's amazing with Seattle, they made very little moves at the deadline. And, you know, one of their biggest free agent moves was signing Corey Hart, who's done zero, to go with Cano, and it's just amazing how where pitching can get you. It really is. I will say one thing about the Lester deal. I like the idea of going after Lester. I might think it's a little greedy, but I don't think they had to give up Cespedes to do it. I think Red Sox won that trade wholeheartedly because, if you, like we, we've talked about this, like off, off air, like if Lester was gone anyway, you could have traded him, got a pick and some prospects like we all expected, and Oakland could have used that as their leverage and say, hey, he's going to be gone after the season. You're going to have to fork over the cash anyway. We'll give you some prospects that will help you next year. And they didn't have to give up Cespedes. I think, they, they, I think Billy Bean rushed it. I think he itched enough that he really wanted him, and he wanted to make sure he got Lester because of the other deals that were probably on the table for Lester. He said, okay, Cespedes will get me Lester no matter what. We're going to do it. And I think that might have been where the Lester deal was a bad decision. Well, maybe Cespedes just wasn't fitting in with the clubhouse. I mean, there were lots of reports that they did. They thought he was actually lazy in the outfield. And uh, I know the Angels didn't like it too much when he was uh, fooling around with the ball there in left field and just gunning people out at home plate. And, I mean, some people just don't fit in. And, I mean, he's a, he gets paid a lot of money. And maybe they just didn't want to carry his contract. All I can say is, with that arm, you can be lazy if you're going to throw guys out 50 or 65% of the time. That's all i got to say about that. That guy's got a cannon. Anyway, it's about that time for, the, for this week. I think I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in to the first edition of Red Sox Beat. This has been a, I think this has been a fantastic pilot episode. I want to, again, thank Tom Joyce of Yankee Way Report coming on with Nate and talking some baseball and MLB as well. We've got some, we're going to have some other guests lined up for you, other shows. Remember, Mondays is the, da- the days that you can download our podcast. Don't forget, though, that CLNS Radio is a free podcast. The lifeblood of our organization is ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. So please, please, we beg of you, we ask you, go to CLNS Radio on iTunes and Stitcher. We're up there. Our feed's up there for not just us but the other podcasts as well. And just rate us, review us, and subscribe us. Just do it. It's going to be good for all of us. You know you're going to stay around. Help us get the word out, and we want to become a big podcast in the country for Boston sports. 
We want to be those guys, and we, we hope that you guys can do that. So please just go go to iTunes and Stitcher and help us out. We, we'd appreciate it. But until next time, for Nate Rollins, I'm Jared Scott. This is Red Sox Beat. Enjoy, the, enjoy your week, everybody. Don't work too hard. Enjoy a good week of baseball, and we'll talk to you.